0: Hello and welcome to the Pilot TV podcast which still doesn't have a theme tune as I've not had time to go into GarageBand and make one. So hum a little ditty in your head and listen to this bit and just pretend. Something upbeat, something peppy, something fun that sums up the lullsome good times we hope to bring you over the next 30 minutes. Better yet, compose something and send it in so I don't have to bother. I'm James Dyer and this is the fourth Pilot TV podcast. I'm once again joined by the other two pillars in this televisual triumvirate. Terry White, who's all but checked out as she's off on holiday next week
1: yes you're looking Jane forward Sire. to it I'm so excited um uh but slightly terrified I haven't had a 10-day holiday in like years
0: I remember holidays
1: no from, you do not from school when was the last time you I took mean a holiday?
0: literally school hang
1: on though you went on a roller coaster the other week yeah, so technically that was what? holiday ro- oh, oh, excuse yeah. me do we work at roller coaster <laughs> monthly and I miss they that. they were
0: there. they were movie themed. So I was able to pass them off as some kind of... I'm looking forward task. to reading the 10-page
2: article in yeah. about your yeah. Halloween...
0: Well, um... I think you're fine. I think fine. one of the horror houses that I went to was Stranger Things, which is a TV show which we have covered in Pilot TV <laughs> magazine. Therefore, it was essential yeah. research for an upcoming issue.
1: This, by the way, is how James rationalises um, <laughs> the things he blags. Is that what we're calling I don't,
0: it? I don't know what you mean. I'm, yeah. I'm a, I'm a bastion of integrity. You've heard him already, but also here is TV's Boyd Hilton, whose tell-all memoir, About a Boyd, is available in paperback now. Nice. That's a lie. (laughs) But one day. But one day. One day, it will hit the shelves. I'm going
2: to tell all, yeah.
0: It'll be all your friends, all your celebrity friends, all the goss. Hang
1: on, hang on. You were out with... uh, Weren't you out with Russell Tovey last night?
2: (laughs) yes correct I saw you
1: on the internet together that's
2: true yeah I went to see the absolutely brilliant it's not a TV thing but I must mention how brilliant Pinter plays are at the Pinter Theatre in London I mean if you're going to watch them that's probably the place to go yeah I went to
1: one of the other week yes uh, you went
2: to the really deadly serious depressing one didn't you oh god
1: it was really grim (laughs) and really miserable Right, right. and I came out um, wondering what the point of uh, my existence is and definitely what the point of yours is right
2: well this one is. these ones are brilliantly funny and entertaining and fun Mm.
1: it's
2: Quite a contrast. And David Suchet is amazing and as is Russell, obviously. But oh, it's he's not in the play. Russell's in the play. That I mean, made it wasn't it must just have made it out quite with him. difficult for
0: you to watch it with him. W- <laughs> Did he just get up periodically and run onto the stage, do some lines, then come back and do it? Yeah,
2: him? it was an amazing kind of postmodern uh, adaptation of Pinter, Yeah, Wow. Yeah. Quite extraordinary.
0: And on this week's podcast, we will be dredging up the usual batch of TV news, as well as looking at some of the shows just kicking off, including the return of Amazon's The Man in the High Castle, BBC abduction drama, The Cry, and Netflix's Spanish boarding school set thriller, Elite. But before we get into all that nonsense, I have an announcement to make. You ready? You ready? I'm excited. You ready? I don't even know what this is. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Last night, I unsheathed my sonic screwdriver, it's uh, not, euph- not a euphemism. Thank God. I took a trip to Gallifrey, also not, not a euphemism, <laughs> and made myself the master, actually a euphemism. I did, of course, head straight to Whoville and watched Doctor Who.
1: So can we, can uh, we just clarify, is this your first ever episode? No.
0: No, I watched, uh, it is my first episode since I watched I want to say the first two Eccleston ones I also watched the two I watched the Dalek one from the middle of the first Eccleston season I watched the season finale which also had Daleks in it because I thought Daleks are great and I thought if they can't make it good nothing can make it good and they didn't make it good and I watched the one with Kylie at Christmas one day after Christmas lunch and Oh yeah, on the Spaceship Titanic Yes, yeah. that one, that yeah. was dreadful and I watched the first Peter Capaldi one as well which was quite boring and the big mainly, dinosaur mainly attempts. had him on rooftops. <laughs> so, um, so, so that was good. So, but, 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 yes. but, yes. I quite enjoyed this one. Oh, good. I thought, I thought, Jodie Whittaker was wonderful. Yes, I enjoyed yeah. her a lot. There was a little bit where because uh, people won't have seen this yet, so I can't spoil it. But in the, in the sequence where where she makes her appearance and the little bit of Doctor Who music kicks in, I got the. Tingles from that. It yeah, yeah. was very good, um, and I really liked it. And actually, it's better than I had thought. However, I have clarified. I think the reasons why I have issues with Doctor Who, and I think this is the main problems. thing. It's all about you. It is. So well, as far as you know, what it we, is. this is.
2: By the way, <laughs> listeners, what this is really is we are, by the way, reviewing yes. the new series of two, one of the biggest events of yeah. the year in TV. Yeah. But you have made it all about you. Yes,
0: we are reviewing Doctor Who through the filter of James Dyer. That's yeah. how we're going to do this. Fine. So, so I think my main Doctor Who issues. are are twofold one is that it has a red dwarfy vibe to the aesthetic like you look at the aliens in it and it feels like if Lister and Rimmer walked (laughs) into that scene you wouldn't be surprised so just again is that a production value or isn't it an aesthetic thing I'm not sure but there's a hint of that that's one and two it's the tone the tone of it doesn't sit quite right with me because it's not serious serious but it's not comedy and I can't (laughs) put it in a box and that upsets me. Oh, like, I can't, okay. like, I can't take it. It's not like Star Trek where it's super po-faced, serious. Like, I'm totally yeah. in with this world. Yeah. But it's not, like, super silly like Red Dwarf. And it falls in the, a, this sort of weird comedy. hinterland between yeah. the two. But it's silly. It's not a comedy, but um, it's silly. And it's knowingly silly. But
1: that lev- I think that levity has always been super important to Doctor Who, right? Mm. And, it, and it dials up. One of the things I love but also makes my love affair with it a little bit kind of turbulent is each Doctor kind of iterates that humour really differently mm. and for and each character dials it up or dials it down, the darkness versus the comedy versus the humour. Yeah. And actually, I loved the lightness with her and I, and I saw what you were saying previously, Boyd, about how she plays it because it isn't the whimsical, Matt Smith, bow-tie twirling nonsense that actually really put me off his Doctor, but it's, it's more actually for me in the spirit of David Tennant in that yeah. slightly, you know, that off off. The wall, slightly oddball, um, and she doesn't overplay it. She's got a beautiful lightness of touch. And what was weird is, I immediately believed she was the Doctor. So Same, yeah. the minute she uh, yeah. turned up, Absolutely, I was like, yeah. she, she is, is the Doctor. And within
2: five minutes, I'd forgotten there was any other yeah. 12 Doctors previously, even though I've always loved Doctor Who and I've watched every single episode ever. The Doctor's always a bit weird, isn't he? Yeah. was an alien. He's an
0: alien. But a little she bit a sort talent. of like... like, like Odd. Very peculiar. Because I saw that and I thought, she plays very odd. But my recollection of the Doctor is this is just what the Doctor's like.
1: Yes, but it is. And that's what I'm saying. The nuance is really important in the characterisation, right? So the the darkness versus the humour versus the humanity. All of those things are in the mix. And what's fascinating by every single Doctor is how that individual writer, showrunner and actor... Kind of iterates that v- their version of the Doctor, and I loved her version, yeah. and I loved the humour, the lightness, but also, I mean, you know, she's an incredible dramatic actress, yeah. and I just think she is so believable as the Doctor. And I was like, oh yeah, she's the Doctor. It wasn't yeah. weird. It wasn't. I had a real problem when to, actually when David Tennant first. Um, became the Doctor, and I'd loved Eccleston, and obviously Eccleston was first, so we were still finding our way with the modern Doctor. But actually, even though the 10th Doctor is still my favorite Doctor, I had a, a couple of hours of needing to get used to him being the Doctor. Something about it took a while to bed in. With her, she walked on screen, I'm like, and, she, and when she was like, oh, there's a line, I'm not gonna read it for you, but there's a brilliant line in the first kind of like 10 minutes, and you're like, oh my God, she's the Doctor. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think she's the she's she has established herself as the doctor quicker mm. than any other certainly in in the new who era. I mean, I you know, I kind of vaguely remember when Tom Baker took over. Yes. and I remember the See, I used to watch it then. Right. I remember the, I had a similar feeling of absolute certainty that this was my doctor when I first saw Tom Baker when I was about 10 years old or whatever mm. as I do now that she's doing it. I think she has that she's absolutely Mastered it, nailed it. And I think you can see, having, you know, when you hear the whole story of how she did the auditions and she recorded, she did self video of her unpicking a fake bomb and he, Chris Chibnall, the show just saw him like, oh my God, she really is the doctor. Mm. And you can sense why she's just got it. She's just mm. got what it takes. And yeah, I agree with you. I think it's, she just feels sli- more grounded enough mm. than the previous couple. Mm to make it some, somehow different. And equally in his scripts, and I, we can't give anything, we mustn't spoil anything. No. We can't even go into detail about the aliens, by the way. Except to say there are aliens. There are monsters, mm. but we can't go into detail. Okay. We're, we're forbidden. But what I loved about this episode is there's a kind of coda after the main action, after the main plot is resolved, which is really moving without wanting to go into any more detail. And, mm. she, and all of all of the new casts nail that brilliantly as well. And I felt that was something new for, the, for Doctor Who. Very Chibnall-esque considering, you know, he's, he's the creator of Broadchurch, etc. And that gave it a weight mm. that I think, it re- that you know, even in the first episode, by the end of the first episode, I feel it's got extra weight, you know, slightly in contrast. And I absolutely love Stephen Moffat's era of Doctor Who, don't get me wrong. But certainly, you know, there's just felt something new about it, about the tone of it.
0: I enjoyed the companions as well. I enjoyed mm. the, the dynamic between It's an interesting dynamic between them, like the connections mm. between them is a curious one. Uh, and the choices are, are again, interesting. Who, who's the one? Who's the one that you like
2: the most? Remind me. It's what's his chops? The- Bradley so Walsh. Bradley Walsh. No, yes. well, well, I like them all. I was most surprised by Bradley Walsh just because he is, you know, because people consider him to be an all-round entertainer. Who I hosts don't know the who all, he is. He has, I literally don't know who he is. He hosts light entertainment shows. Which well, explains um, why I don't know. Right, who he is it's not in your world. I've never watch. Right. One. <laughs> so if you know, if you're watching ITV seven o'clock evening, you probably see Bradley yeah, Walsh.
1: Imagine you were a normal person. Yeah. yeah and you watched things like light entertainment when you were a child and didn't grow up in your weird hinterland, (laughs) uh, then you would have seen him on the telly. He's different
2: from Louis Walsh. Oh, God. At, yeah, slightly, yeah. but I mean, I mean, even then, you know, imagine <laughs> if they cast Louis Walsh, it wouldn't have been that <laughs> foot more controversial. So everyone put it this way, when, they, when it was announced he was cast, everyone went a bit, oh, well, he's the guy who does Live from the London Palladium on ITV, but he also happens to be a proper actor as well, and I thought he did really well. And I really love Toastin Cole, who's right at the beginning, this isn't a spoiler, the very first scene pretty much is him trying to ride a bike, mm-hmm. mm. and I totally identified that because I cannot ride a bike. <laughs> that's you, that's yeah. you on a bike. I just thought it was a really sweet... Kind of surprisingly moving little way into his Mm. character, and there are lots of little touches like that. It's quite. It's a. I thought was a weird episode. I watched it again, and it was almost like modest the story, and yet at the same time, kind of beautifully big in some ways, in some subtle ways.
0: And I really like that. This was a question I had. Like to me, the actual plotting, like the story, was quite slight. Yeah, and I wasn't establishing. But is that? I mean, Doctor Who does. But
1: this was my question: is,
0: Is that Doctor Who as a whole, or is that this? It is a
2: bit. It, well, I think a lot of the introductory episodes, mm. in fact, going back to Rose, Russell T. Yeah. Davis, that's a bit, yes. a bit reminiscent I remember of that. the mannequins. Yeah, the mannequins. You yeah. know, it's like we don't really care about that. What we care about is Rose and the doctor mm. and their relationship. Yeah, well, funny.
1: what they're doing is they. I love the fact that they don't kind of think. Every episode, they're they're interested in the larger story. So they see it as a season and they're going to stitch together beautifully a story over these episodes rather than feeling, you know, which is a lack of confidence. Sometimes Is every episode has to stand alone and be so, um, have so much depth and hit all the notes because we don't trust that people are going to be there for the whole thing. I think Doctor Who, you are invested for the Mm. whole series and they are planting seeds and they're sowing things into the fabric of the new series, which are then going to bloom. Oh, well, this is quite... Yeah, what's going on great. I love this all your these, multiple. We are all these rich with, with <laughs> um, but And actually, I have to say, on The Companions, we talked about this before, but I was really not into this multiple companions thing mm. because... Probably because of my love for the 10th Doctor and the relationship with Rose could only exist in the privacy and the intimacy of those two people. If there were, I know obviously you had Mickey and you had a mum, and, and but that, that partnership was so central and the intimacy, the things that they said to each other and experienced that you only get in that kind of insane bond between two people. And I was dead worried that actually diluting it down into this motley crew, this gang. But actually, I really, I really believed the dynamic between them. I really mm. felt that kind of, I I just thought they worked really well together and actually, something about it worked with her. Yeah. Um, and I was really kind of reassured. And even Bradley was. When that happened, I was like, <laughs> for the love of God, what are they thinking? But I thought all of them were, were really interesting and got me really excited for what yeah. we're going to see. Yeah, yeah, I can't
2: can- wait to see more of
0: them. That's the yeah. thing. I Does absolutely this cannot wait to changed see- the dynamic fundamentally because this becomes more of a kind of an ensemble adventure, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. And that's. Yeah, curious. but I also
1: almost think it gives her more weight because it's always been the doctor, like the 10th doctor without Rose. When Rose left, I feel like that left a real gap in um the kind of my investment actually in the doctor and actually in a lot of the storytelling you you realize how integral rose became actually for me this puts more focus on the doctor because you do have these three companions but she is the central thing, really holding this entire thing. And actually, I think it, it pivots her into being much more of a um, a central figure. And I know that sounds stupid in Doctor Who because she's the Doctor, but I think it actually puts more weight on her as, as kind of carrying the show mm-hmm. it, in some respects when it sounds... The, the opposite. Well, it
2: showed her leadership qualities yes. very quickly, my, very cleverly, really.
0: My recollection of companions from, you know, the Sylvester McCoy years was that they existed mainly so the Doctor could kind of time lord explain what the hell was going on to someone who didn't know. But presumably they've evolved into something more than that. Yeah,
1: but also there's always been storytelling points. So Rose was there, and actually, Don, Dr. Donna was there to um, remind him of his humanity. Mm. So, you know, there's a whole thing where if um, Donna hadn't been around, Actually this, the the tenth doctor would have done some some things that he would never have recovered from, some acts of actually evil, and she grounded him and she pulled him back to, his, to the kind of humanity in his character. There's always been a storytelling point to companions in terms of what they remind the Doctor of, um, how they ground them, and obviously Doctor-splaining is part of it. Um, so it's, it's very useful for that to be in there. But the best companions have been an integral part in the evolution of that character, for, like, for sure.
2: Wow, and they're stopping from being lonely. Her being from being lonely. That's like, the doc. I think has a doctor has a compulsion to find friends yeah. to join her on her adventures because otherwise it's the loneliest job in the universe and that I felt was again very subtly done in mm. this first episode she really needed to grasp the human, first human she could find mm. to her so, bosom so to speak because she needs that company and, and there, I thought uh, that was, there is
0: a line along those lines there is so, a line along yeah. those lines yeah. well yeah I, I enjoyed it I'm I'm shrugging off my my who hating and I I, I I may watch some more of this <laughs> and see how it goes if they're lucky
2: Reser- if they're yeah. lucky if, they're, if Doctor Who yeah. is you know then James Dyer may well <laughs> then, be on board I would, may watch. you're not making any promises um, at this yeah, stage. I'm, not, I'm not promising at this stage, Fine. but I'm
0: I'm open to the possibility. Now, yeah. Didn't
2: you love, one more quick thing. Yeah. Even, just I love the little decisions he's made as a showrunner. Didn't you love how there was no title sequence? So, mm. leaving us with that excitement for episode two, he's got another exciting thing. Just to see the new title sequence and the new theme tune fully for episode two. I was episode. waiting for that for about yeah, 15 absolutely. minutes. Where is yeah. it? Where it's is just it? Just a very interesting decision. But it
0: made me watch the whole of
2: the credits just so I could like, soak up the music. Yeah. And so. that that means that re- that new version of the theme tune is fantastic. Mm.
0: Well, I, like I say, the, the, the sort of the foreshadowy bit of music that appears during the show—that yes. really, yeah, I really love that. Yeah,
2: that's hairs on the back of your neck. Mm.
0: And what what would we give this from a star rating point of view as Huvians in the grand pantheon of of Hoonus? If we had to nail this with a with
2: a with um, out of five, I'd give it four and a half. I can't There's do no hard stars, no pre- oh. none, none of that. This edging. is this
1: heat background. Honestly, in. this is this, like. Yeah.
2: I make no apologies. In pilot, we don't, g- we don't do All things. No half four. measures. I give it a very solid four.
1: It is a four. I think it's it's and it's it's a foundation episode. I think so. I think it's unfair to kind of judge it just on episode one, but I think okay. um, four stars.
0: Four stars for Doctor Who. Exciting. There you go. That's a, that's a, a preview of our reviews, which we are should say later. is on in case you haven't. Oh, yes. heard,
2: on BBC One from Sunday at six forty-five p.m. Yes,
0: yes, yes, it is. So you have almost a week.
2: Yeah. Uh, should we kick off with some news?
0: Yeah. yeah. You want some news. Here's the thing, which is is big news for presumably other people. Uh <laughs> this year's big CW superhero crossover is called Elseworlds. Wow. It's called what? Elseworlds, which is grammatically upsetting, but uh, and it has an exclamation mark, I think, or maybe I just put that in. It's hard to say. Yeah. Now these these are the CWDC shows and they do crossover events it seems every year and they're very very big and people talk about them a lot and it's like 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 special fly girl meets up with fireman uh-huh. and and time boy and they <laughs> instead of having their separate adventures they all get together and there was a gorilla that tried to kill president obama i believe in one of these shows I, wow. it, it may become obvious to you I don't watch them I don't watch Arrow I don't watch Supergirl I don't watch any of them because there are too many of them and life's too short but apparently they're very good and this is exciting so if you are one of those people who loves a bit of DCCW uh, you know this is this is. Good. I'm
1: so unconvinced by all of those things. All of that CW stuff. Yeah, I find the production values so lacking in the main.
0: See, in the past, I'd have said, <laughs> and yet you watched Doctor Who, but now I'm not going to say that. See? Because See? I'm a changed mm. man.
1: See?
2: Yeah, I don't watch them either. I did, although my friend Ross was in last year's crossover episodes. Oh, was as he? a gay superhero. and I thought <laughs> you were about
0: to say, as the gorilla who tried to kill him. No, as the
2: gorilla, no. He was a gay superhero. And I think it was the first... Super, certainly on mainstream american t v mm. and it was a huge big moment and that was that was very exciting for him and uh, you know and i think so I think it does it is a daring Series of shows, and mm. I know I, I wouldn't totally trust them because I know they have absolute. I mean, they're huge for Sky. They do really, really yeah. well on Sky One. All of them. So, I mean, you know, I dip in and out. I've seen a
0: few. look I've, I've seen the first Supergirl. I've seen the first of all of them. I think I saw a couple of Arrows. Um, but ultimately, I was burned by like seven or eight seasons of Smallville. And after that, I just can't do it again. Yeah, fair but, enough. But uh, but these are by all accounts very much better than that. They are very good. I, so, I think
2: they're more you know. fun, by the way. If we're comparing, obviously, we should never do this. But if we're comparing Marvel and DC yeah. TV, I think they're more fun than the well, Marvel. Netflix shows which are frankly tedious this
0: segues mm. nicely into I think the second news story which is okay. Rosario Dawson has mentioned that she may now like most of us be done with Marvel's Netflix right. shows <laughs> um, and and I think you know I think at this point the scales have fallen from most of our eyes that they started so well like Daredevil season 1 was excellent mm. Jessica Jones season 1 was outstanding um, and then since then they've been a kind of mishmash of meh okay and oh good god Um, Like, Iron Fist season one was... Was the only one that I haven't finished. The only one that I never... No actually one made finished it. Through. it. No. Um, but I've watched all the others. But Iron Fist season two was the point where I drew the line. And I said to myself, do you know what? Life's too short. I've wasted hundreds of hours on these shows. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm done. However, well, however, yesterday saw the debut of the Daredevil season three teaser, yeah. which showed Vincent D'Onofrio coming back as Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. the Kingpin, in his kind of satiny white suit, like looking very comic Kingpin. And it's almost like it's it's that al Pacino thing. It's like just when a thought it was out, they're kind of <laughs> pulling me back in. Don't
1: do it. And
0: I feel like I might have to watch Daredevil season three.
1: I mean, mm. you know, I've we've talked about Luke Cage previously in the Empire office mm-hmm. because. I really don't like that show and I probably shouldn't say that as the person who put it on the cover of the Pilot Issue of Pilot TV magazine. <laughs> yeah. No it's um, good you can
2: separate your personal yeah, taste from those yeah. of yeah. I can and
1: and I my problem with it is the problem that I have with the CW shows which is maybe it's it's the rest of our universe right we work at Empire mm. and we see the remarkable kind of um level of production of filmmaking that goes into most of the stuff we watch on a daily basis. And the best thing about so much of what's happening in TV at the moment is the translation of those cinematic qualities into so much of what we're seeing. Luke Cage, I watched three episodes of, and I was like... His his whole thing seems to be he's dead strong, so he puts his arm out and somebody runs into it and his head falls off. There's, like, walls that look like they're made out of papier-mâché. The whole thing is so ridiculous, yeah. and I'm so angry about the lack of production values, and I genuinely think it must be a stylistic choice because there is so... So much great stuff happening in that world. And these aren't people who, who cannot do that. Do you know what I mean? This is not a capability issue. And I get that there's kind of a stylistic, almost pulpy element to, the, to it when you do that approach. But I find it really unforgivable when you can kind of hear the wall creaking and rustling. And, you know, he's basically puts an arm out and manages to take out six men who are running at him in a cartoon fashion. I find that the lack of of credibility um, and, and weight with which the these things are considered really irritating.
0: Also, he's basically indestructible, super strong and bulletproof, and yet these absolute screaming bellends, I mean, I know they're criminals, they're probably not that bright, they just run at him again yeah. and again, an empty... It's like, he's bulletproof. How many times do you have to find this out? It's, yeah, it's... No. It's, it's. And watching him sort of slap people and push them over has limited appeal. That, that Luke Cage season two really just nearly finished me. Yes. I was so bored by the end of it. Yes. It was excruciating. Um, and again, I think I think a lot of it is length. We have talked about this before. If it was six episodes, I mean, that's still six hours of boring well, yeah. shit. But six hours of boring shit is significantly better than thirteen hours of it. Well, yeah, so.
1: but that's like saying two fistfuls of of feces <laughs> is better than four fistfuls of feces, and it it definitely is. But you've still got a handful of shit.
2: I know you know that is the next Marvel Marvel <laughs> Netflix yeah. season is fistful, a fistful of feces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I'm looking forward to that one. It will be yeah. thirteen episodes, definitely. It definitely I mean, be too long. I think they. Desperately need a course correction for I'll this. Oh, completely. Yes. Desperately. Yeah. By the way, um, is, there's a thing to be written by someone who has the time <laughs> about how I think the American model of drama over 10, 13 for the big mainstream network shows 22, 23 mm. shows versus the British mm. one of six or eight maximum I think it's really, I think it's totally swung the way of the British version because mm. we get so many more like you know how many brilliant BBC dramas have there been and they're all six, eight max mm. and I think it's working better than those long yep. tedious drawn out American ones at the moment anyway. Yeah, they do they leave you wanting more and
0: I yeah. think and a lot of the the longer ones do outstay their welcome and it's like they're great shows but like even like you look at Westworld Westworld great did it need to be that long no it didn't no I agree you could have been more condensed. Yeah. The only thing I want more of is Game of Thrones, which really could be 100 episodes a season, and I'd watch it. Uh, but other than yeah. that. What else is happening in the world of television? Can
1: I talk about Charmed finally getting a UK broadcaster? This is the Charmed reboot. Yes. Um, so James Dyer is very aware of my mm. slight obsession with um, Charmed. It kind of lives in the Buffyverse for me in terms of... Um, Uh, Three Sisters, Witchcraft, we all know the original series, right? Shannon Doherty, until they killed her off, Felicia Milano, Rose McGowan. And I... I'm obsessed with, with Charmed. I actually watched kind of uh, seven episodes of the original series uh, last weekend, just for wow. lols, instead wow. of watching new tele, which is probably something I shouldn't admit. But when the reboot was announced, I was kind of quite excited, actually, because it is something that you could imagine is ripe for reboot. Witchcraft it just seems to be a thing that constantly is is having a rebirth. There's a real thing, obviously, about female empowerment that has changed probably arguably in the last 15 to 20 years women kind of being strong and saving the world it is a story that never gets old and it was rebooted and when the trailer dropped i was like i'm dead 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 excited the trailer didn't give me the most amount of hope because there were, there were bits of it that were quite clumsy it seemed to 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 track a little bit young but i am still willing to give charmed reboot a chance and E4 have picked it up and it will be here they're saying sometime in the autumn it's going to premiere quite soon in the US and this basically it's either going to go horrifically wrong and last like three episodes <laughs> or this could be the next wave of charm. Charms
0: always felt to me like shit Buffy
1: <gasps> it's wow. but it, uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like choked on my own breath. Right? Imagine the you know the relationship between Willow and Buffy, right? Sisterhood. That's that real bond of sisterhood and how it gets um, uh, stretched and moments of betrayal and the emotion and the the kind of things that can be explored via the concept of sisterhood are really good. And, and Charmed, obviously, they were three sisters. Yeah. Um, one of them turned out to be a half-sister when the other one died, et cetera, et cetera. So it actually, having three women, if you think about Charmed at the time, having three women who held a, a TV show by themselves. So male characters came in and went, Julian McMahon um, was in it for a while. But it was really about these three women, their lives, juggling kind of their um, commitment to saving the world, not in a dissimilar way to Buffy, with their lives as women and sisters, people who wanted um had personal ambitions around career and wanted babies and wanted a life apart from saving the world, which you may have recognised that that motto. So I had so much time for charmed and I'm hoping this brings charmed to a new generation. But if it's rubbish, <laughs> fire and brimstone are gonna come out of my eyes.
0: Wow. Uh, okay. You're never going to
1: watch this, are you? I mean,
0: I'm really not. But I am going to watch the Sabrina thing. So, you know, I'm halfway there. The Sabrina thing. The Sabrina thing. The Sabrina thing I will watch. Yes, that's good of you. Right. We've kind of touched on this already. In fact, you've almost kicked off what I was going to say next, which is before we jump into reviews, let's do what we tried to do last week by, by sort of giving people more of an insight into what it is we're actually watching at the moment. So ongoing stuff, just stuff, you know, what are you doing in your free time? On a television basis, and Boyd, in your case, what famous person are you watching it with?
2: Well, I did. I am biased because I did host the screening and Q and A for this show last week at BAFTA, but it's now started on Sky One, and I know you two have no interest in whatsoever. So I thought I'd mention, which is sick of it, the Carl Pilkington comedy drama that is running on Sky One in double bills, Thursday nights, 10 o'clock. It is not what you think it is. So this guy, who was... Re- is
1: re- it, can he on. act? Can he act? Yes! That's my, that's my Absolutely fundamental can question. Act. That is of. the <laughs> extraordinary
2: thing. He's totally untrained, Never not an actor, You know, didn't go to RADA, but there's something wonderful about this normal, working-class guy um, playing two versions of himself in this very kind of weirdly laid-back, yet surprisingly moving... Thing about and the whole premise of the show is that he's going through life and his 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 kind of the evil inner voice in his mind is dramatised there and it's talking to him. So there's two versions of him and um, it's something really lovely about it and it's surprising. It's really well shot. You know, if you took we talk about it's shot in widescreen because it's trying to you know in a kind of kind of British cinematic quality to it. I almost want to say Ken Loach kind of thing going on. Yes, (laughs) there is. Kes is his favourite film. Carl's film. It's no accident. Honestly, it's really really good. And I don't want anyone to think. They shouldn't bother watching it just because it's not the kind of thing necessarily we would include in pilot TV magazine. It's great. And one more thing I ah. want to mention. Insecure, I think, is the least kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's the least valued, really brilliant show mm-hmm. on at the moment. It's Issa Rae's um, comedy set in L.A. about her and her best mate, two women living their lives, the dating existence, and the kind of trying to maintain um, their professional personal relationships. It's brilliantly done. She's fantastic. And yet it doesn't get anywhere near the attention, say girls got. Mm. And it's definitely like got a similar vibe to it. But I feel it's slightly less I mean I loved girls, but it's slightly less self consciously smug, I'm gonna use mm. that word, the occasionally girls was it's really wonderfully refreshing, brilliant show. It's on Sky Atlantic on Thursdays.
1: Wow. Um, so I watched the final episode of, of the programme I was talking about last week, which is Reported Missing. Mm-hmm. Four-part BBC, different kind of missing case every week. The last one was a real killer. Actually, all, all four of them have been a real kind of emotional batterers in completely different ways I think the whole thing is now on on iPlayer um definitely worth a watch and then when I was on iPlayer actually watching one of those I saw that they've collected all of the documentaries Louis Theroux's favorite documentaries Mm. that kind of inspired him to make documentaries and they're brilliant documentaries from over the years over the last kind of 30 years there was what was the name of the one boy the really famous one about the alcoholic.
2: Oh, yeah, that was really good. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it. So if
1: anybody, right. if anybody wants to go and I play, essentially they have an area which is um, Louis III documentaries, his favourite documentaries chosen, and there's pretty much some of the best documentaries that have ever been made in British television all there gathered for you. Wow. You won't watch them because I you know. I absolutely
0: will not, but I'm pleased they're there. They oh, are. The think too short for documentaries. And they I don't am, have Klingons in them. I don't really and want to I know. And I am also doing... Drinking to Oblivion was Drinking to yeah. Oblivion, that was it. was bit. incredible, yeah.
1: um, And I'm also doing uh, ER from the beginning wow. again. Oh, my really? God. Really? Again. So how, CBS how, Drama are doing it every... They, they are showing an ER every I'd night. I'd seen that. And they started um, showing it again last week. I think they keep... They've done it once before and they stopped at season six. So I don't know if they've only got the you right... You know there's
0: like 14 seasons. I'm
1: aware. <laughs> um, uh, and I've done the whole thing all the way through twice. So oh this will God. be my third. Time. Do you
0: remember the one with the wallaby? The one where Carol k- encounters oh a kangaroo in Aliway. I
1: love oh, Carol. Did you, can you remember in the pilot where Carol um tried to kill herself? Yeah, and she was supposed like, to die. And in she, that she was episode. supposed to die, mm. and then they but I thought that's that's never really picked up. The fact that she actually yeah. their relationship drove her to pretty much death. There's that scene where they say she's there's no way she can recover from yeah. this, her stats, her stats are 80-75. Over 29, they're really bad.
0: Dr. Terry White MD. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, she
1: was really, they painted her as really kind of properly damaged. Well, no,
0: there's a later episode where she's dating, I believe, a paramedic, and at one point she a is. suicide uh, happens, and he says, Well, they clearly didn't mean it because they took pills. And she just turns to him flatly and went, mm, I took yeah. pills and I meant it. And obviously, this is her boy, and he has no idea. And she really kind of stares him down and then walks away. I thought that was a good moment. Yeah. And what are you watching, James? I mean obviously I'm watching the West Wing. Do you uh,
2: actually still watch it regularly? Yeah, I mean- well, no, Okay so so
0: my <laughs> other favourite podcast other than you know this one and the Empire one is the West Wing Weekly of uh, where Josh Molina who was in uh, the, West the West Wing, Wing. and uh, who played Will Bailey and uh, Rishikesh Hurway who does the Song Exploder podcast as well. They are going through it episode by episode yeah. and I'm watching it along with them so I watch one episode of the West Wing each mm. week and sometimes I get ahead of myself because I can't stop and then I have to wait for a few weeks for them to catch up uh, and I'm very much enjoying that and it's nice having someone on the show talking you through it. and it's giving me a new appreciation right. they bring in different cast members and people connected to the issue so it is increasing my layered love of, of that particular show so yes I am watching that again for like the ninth time I've just started Unforgotten which I'm enjoying a lot to see the, uh, series yeah. one of that which is yeah. great that was one of these sort of uh, hidden gems not a lot of people picked up on but that was that's uh... probably
2: I would say yeah I think that's ITV's best ongoing drama I'm mm. trying to think if there's any other candidates no yeah it's a really really good show yeah really, really undervalued. And really the good. very
0: first episode of that is interesting because there's all these different threads and you're very unclear. And then they all get tied together in the last
2: couple of minutes. You're like, oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah I'm uh, i I'm that. they have brilliant um, showcase kind of casts in that as well. Mm. No, I'm looking forward yeah. to
0: it. So I'm going to press on with that. Yep. Obviously, uh, I'm now having started American Horror Story, I'm tempted to go back and watch all of American Horror Story. Uh. So I'll probably finish Apocalypse first and then, you know, see if I still like it and then <laughs> yeah. go on with that. Um, I've also got two episodes left of season 11 of The X-Files to watch, which have wow. been on my to-watch list for a long time. But I just, I kind of, I I loved The X-Files so much and I find found the new series a little bit, not heartbreaking, but certainly underwhelming. So I need yeah, to watch same, those last yeah. two for the sake yeah. of completion. Uh, I have unfortunately gone through a cull recently where I have culled in-progress shows under the banner of Life's Too Short. And they include, uh, as you know, succession. Unfortunately, Which you're solely wrong about. I mean, you're absolutely wrong. I can't be dealing I mean, with is it. Me
2: and Dan Jolin, how, yeah, how do know. Know you you? He, we had a big right, old Twitter we're fight right. about this. Yeah. He's just, absolutely right. You don't need to like the characters. You're completely wrong no, about that. No, I just, I it's disagree. Fantastic. I don't think. You, I think you always
0: have to like them, but you need to like spending time with them. Like I, yeah. in the same way, like oh. Tony Soprano, you don't like him necessarily, but you like spending time with him. Yeah. Whereas I genuinely believe that uh, Matthew McFadden and Kieran Culkin pay the two most hateable characters in the history of <laughs> entertainment. And whenever they're on screen, I, I, it's all I can do to not just run at the TV and smash it. So. Uh, so that's done. Orange is the new black. I'm. I think I'm retiring as well. I uh, love the way you're talking through the shows. Yeah, refuse uh, so. no, it's <laughs> amazing. Yeah,
1: this is a bit where James just talks yeah. about what he's not watching, <laughs> just in case Look. you'd also like to not hey, watch them. Public How about service. In the
2: next issue of Pilot TV, we have a new <laughs> franchise. What James isn't watching. Yes. How about that? Will that work? Yeah. I, yeah.
0: I, I I feel you're mocking me. Uh, no. Okay. Fine. So there's two others I'm stopping, and no, for what? the same reason. Can
1: we get? to no. we, all got, we are recommending people I am watch.
0: stopping The Handmaid's Tale and Sharp Objects because <laughs> oh God, because, so because misery porn no. because, because the world is such a state at the Sharp moment objects I don't is one need of the... to bring that shit Sharp into Sharp Objects my house. is
2: still one of the greatest series of the year but it's, it's just, fantastic
0: it's really bleak and it's really slow oh and by
2: the way when everyone's seen Doctor Who episode one <sighs> there's a link between Doctor Who episode one and Sharp Objects oh, is there? can you tell me what it is no spoilers we I, can't say what it is absolutely cannot so yeah.
0: what you're saying now is to really appreciate Doctor Who I now has to
2: finish yes, sharp objects. You do, yes.
0: All right. Tell you what, I will for you, Boyd. I will take sharp objects <laughs> <sharp laughs> off the subs bench, good, and put it back in play. Good. I'm glad we've had this chat. And press on with it. Great. Okay. Okay. <laughs> good. Stuff. <we've laughs> Are we done watched. now? <laughs> okay.
2: I think Fine. Tara's going to stage a revolution over your hosting of this podcast. <laughs> it's possible.
1: New new shows we'd like to talk about.
0: <laughs> Fine. Let's go on to reviews, shall we? Should we move on to reviews? Yes. Okay. First up, a thriller about Spanish boarding school, or El Hogwarts, as I've, uh, as I've kind of dubbed it. This is this is Elite. Yes. Uh, and it's, it's about the most exclusive school in the country, presumably Spain, <laughs> uh, where the elite send their children to study, uh, and three working-class teens have just been admitted. See, there's something for everyone, Terry. You'd enjoy mm-hmm. it as well. After an earthquake destroyed their school, and there's a murder,
2: and stuff happens, and boy, does it any good. Yeah, there's it,
1: been a murder. There's been
2: a murder. It's oh, Right, was that Spanish? That was
1: yeah. To All be right.
2: completely transparent, the lovely people at Netflix who we deal with on a daily basis, obviously, have been trying to get me to watch this show, you know, for ages. And I've been, you know, we're all busy. We've got, you know, a Spanish language show, yeah. with, you know, with all due respect. About so boarding school. About boarding school. It didn't feel like the priority right now. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I finally did watch it. And I actually really am loving it. It's a, like Skins meets Big Little Liars. You know, Ooh. Big Little Liars yeah. have that device where it starts off and they're in, the police are interviewing the characters and you don't know why they're being interviewed. Mm. A crime has been committed You don't know who's done it. You don't know who's... Been, who's the victim is or anything and then the whole thing kind of folds out from there this has a similar device that they're interviewing these kids at the beginning of it and you don't know why
1: because there's been a murder there's been a
2: murder and their blood there's <laughs> covered in blood so there almost has certainly been a murder <laughs> then we then we follow them as they join this school and it's really it's kind of funny because there's a the whole idea that the working class kids school has been destroyed the roof fell in because it wasn't built properly <laughs> and they're going to this the most lavish school you've ever seen this private it's like kind of like all it's like a kind of iPod design <laughs> by the guy who runs Apple, you know, Johnny Ive. He's yeah. designed this spectacular all white. Beautiful place where these posh kids all study. So there's a whole class conflict thing going on. It's rude, it's cheeky, it deals with racism, sexism, homophobe, all of the things that have to be dealt with in this day and age really well. I really enjoyed it. It's, and it's kind of it's got that thing, Netflix. the one thing Netflix is doing quite cleverly at the moment is they're doing a lot of young adult stuff that is actually really adult, mm. if you see what I mean. So whereas Skins couldn't go as far as it, you know, because they're, they're, you know, Channel 4 wouldn't let them do certain things, <laughs> this goes that far. Yeah, It's good. It's really good. And it's on Friday. It all drops on Friday, October 5th on Netflix. That's elite on Netflix. Exciting. Next
0: one is one that I'm super excited about, The Triumphant Return of The Good Place, which has just come back with a double episode. And this picks up where season two, obviously, left off, uh, where they're all, you know, Resurrected, They're back to life. They're back on Earth uh, as part of a kind of a big heavenly or demonically experiment to find out if they can actually be good people. And I've, I've missed this show so much. I have so missed this show. Because uh, I think we can all agree we currently live in the bad place. So I think, you know, having this in our lives is something everyone should have. Are you, are you fans? Are you, are you I, forking fans of this? Do
1: you know what? I've had it on my watch list for the longest time and I haven't yet seen it.
0: Wow! You, wow. Got, you have Wow! It but is brilliant. Keeps yeah,
1: it's me, great. It's exactly my kind of. But show see, I understand. I, I to
2: hate it. all comedy, and yet even I find. Yeah, it that's funny. Yeah, that's extraordinary because it is effective. It's a. It's an American yeah. mainstream, twenty-four-minute mm. sitcom. Yeah, it's shown in America on NBC. Yep. and it is incredible with starring Ted Danson. You mm-hmm. know the great, you know all-time sitcom star, <laughs> and yet it's smuggled within that format an incredible array of quite subversive yeah. stuff, and it is dealing with the afterlife and as you saw all this stuff. This. Quite, quite ambitious effects. Yes, it is an extraordinary thing, and I, I do love it. It's lovable, isn't it? There's yeah. something really, you know, kind of as opposed to your Succession thing. <laughs> most of the characters you do enjoy spending time with, even yeah. the ones who are the a bit spiky. Words. Yeah, mm-hmm. even the even ones. It is great. I, I haven't yet. You've, you're the only one of us that have watched the first two. I can't wait to see it yet. Mm. And of course, this is going out weekly on Netflix because it's not one of their originations. They That's acquire right. it from NBC.
0: Yeah, yes. uh, you can watch those first two on Netflix now. I really, I, I think I love this show so much. I think. There's something for everyone in that the the comedy runs the gamut between really obvious kind of stupid humor to actually incredibly highbrow humor, right? Yes. Yeah, uh, and there's yeah. wordplay in it. There's everything. There's something in there for every type of humor in this. And I love the fact that it's an ongoing sort of serialized story. It's not sort of one and done type episodes. There's an, an ongoing sort of like narrative art to it, and you never know where it's going to go. There's yeah. a huge rug pull at the end of the first season, and episode to episode,
2: you just have no clue. Yeah, what it has the kind of it. twist, doesn't it? That. you you expect from big ambitious dramas like Westworld but it has those in the format of a half hour sitcom it's so clever it's it's triumphant
0: everyone everyone should watch this show Um, Next up is uh, the triumphant return of another show. So Amazon's The Man in the High Castle was pretty much their first original series, wasn't it? Certainly the one that put them on the map for original shows. First big one, yeah. I would say, yeah. Um, with a
1: huge filmmaker. Yeah, yeah.
0: and it's been away for a while. December yeah. 2016 was, I wow. think, when season yeah. two finished. It's been two years. And they've finally come back with this. Uh, I've seen the first episode of this, and I, I have missed it a lot. It's just, It's just so beautifully done. I mean... Obviously, hellishly so, imagining America under the auspices of a, a Nazi administration. I mean, that's science fiction. We couldn't possibly wrap our heads around that being a reality. So, uh, but it's, it, it's great. And Rufus Stoll is fantastic as uh, now Obst Obstgruppenführer-Smith. A lot's happened since last time. People will have forgotten there's a long catch-up at the beginning, thankfully. For there is a five-minute catch-up. Yeah, because you're yeah. just like, I don't remember anything. Yeah. And it's nice to see where they are. Like, uh, You've got the two worlds colliding uh, with different realities now blended into a single one. I think it's getting really interesting. It's, it's long since, I think, expanded beyond the boundaries of Philip K. Dick's book. But, um,
2: yeah, it's gone all multiverse. It's gone yeah, really sci-fi. It's gone proper multiverse. Yeah. But it's fascinating. It is intriguing. I'm I'm slightly less fully enthusiastic than you. I kind of really liked. I liked it before it even got into the the mm. multiverse thing. So the Philip K. K Dick book is just speculative fiction, saying what would yep. have happened if the Allies, the Western Allies, hadn't won World War Two, and. America is divided up into Nazis and the Japanese. And that was a, a, an incredibly fascinating pro- prospect. And also it was so lavishly done. It really felt, you really believed in that world that it established. Yeah. Whereas now I think it's going down there. There's some kind of portal between thing that someone <laughs> can go in to go to the other place where we did win the war. Yeah. I'm, I feel I'm not quite going with it as much. I mean, I will carry on watching it. And Stephen Root is brilliant as yes. the titular. I know you love that word. Man <laughs> yes. in a High Castle. He is. But very good. I'm slightly I've got a slight Westwell feeling about it, is what I'd say.
1: Well, so I loved season one, um, and I really struggled with season two and gave up, like after really? three episodes. Um and the fact that I keep reading that this is much more sci fi mm. um makes me uh really pleased that I gave up after three See, episodes. This is absolutely
2: two. my jam. So, I know uh. it is, yeah. yeah. The more
1: you talk about it, the more I think, Christ, I really mustn't watch that.
2: Yeah. But I mean, you have, the production modes are incredible. Yes, it's like it is how, how the amount of money they must be spending. It looks even more mm. spectacular than Westworld. I think.
0: Oh, it looks great. Of, you know, it's it's really great. I, I I love the the sort of the livery the particular Just seeing
2: all sort of the the Nazi America is. They've there. really gone full on into that Nazi image. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Give, it's give almost them, like there's some, some subtext here. But yeah. uh, <laughs> and there's a very good Lenny Riefenstahl thing that happens yes, in episode there is. one. They bring in a, a Lenny Riefenstahl S character, which is, that, 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 one, that was the bit that one really won me over. I thought, yeah. oh, that's clever. That's really clever. Yeah. So,
0: uh, yes, definitely watch this Man in the High Car on Amazon uh, do we know what day it drops
2: um, it drops I believe on Friday on, on Friday. the Amazon yes on Friday the Amazon. 5th of October
0: watch it on the Amazon
2: oh, I'm going to f- double check because now I've said that I haven't okay. double checked finally
0: before we sign off there's another hard hitting drama from the BBC which stars Jenna Coleman who, who we, uh, we we long standing Hoovians uh, will know uh, better as the doctor's assistant uh, Clara I think you'll find oh, which is something That's that, well that done, I in no well way nice. looked up <laughs>
2: Um, no. And you refuse to watch this show because yes. it's, too, it's too
0: tough. Yeah I, yeah, I can't be dealing with more misery in my life. So, no, this has no time-travelling laws in it, and it's about child abduction, and I was like, nope, not for me.
1: Okay, so should we talk about what this is instead yeah. of just racing through bits of the plot yeah. and whether James will watch it? Um, <laughs> Absolutely.
2: So- <laughs> you, this is your, your blatant attempt to instill some discipline, discipline into this podcast. this
1: podcast. So this is the uh, BBC drama, as you say, it's called The Cry. It is about a child abduction that takes place In Australia, Jenna Coleman is the mother um, the father is played by Top of the Lakes, you Leslie, who is actually fantastic and uh, really has a really interesting character in this. He's You're not sure if he's fully a bad guy, if he's um, the proper devoted husband and father, he probably thinks he is. There's real edges to his character. What's interesting, and Boyd wrote about this in the new issue of Pilot TV magazine, is that um it works on multiple timelines. So there's kind of three, is there? So there's At one. Least. Yeah, there's one before they can kind of when they met this couple. Um, There's one while she's pregnant, there's one while she's had the baby and then there's clearly what is meant to be current time. And they're telling the, the story of this abduction, their relationship, her getting pregnant and this abduction and also a battle for child custody he's having with his previous wife um, over his 14-year-old daughter, all kind of happening at the same time. And it's actually only, and we've only watched the first episode, it's actually only at the end of the first episode that you're sure that the baby has been abducted. Mm. So it opens with um, kind of her facing the press. You kind of tell from the way it's it's laid out that... There's something, you know, you know, that kind of typical arrangement when there's a missing child happening and people go out and face the press. And, mm. and there's, there's something in the way that story was told without much um, dialogue, actually, where you kind of knew something awful had happened. But it stitches together this story, which is actually full of kind of dread. And, you know, it's going somewhere quite dark. But it doesn't tell it in a narratively conventional way at all. So you start to piece it together and you piece bits of her character, the difference between the woman she is now, the woman she was then. She says she has some amazing dialogue, which is uh, snapshots of it as she's speaking to a court-appointed psychologist Which is some really dark stuff, but without context, you're scratching your head going, what is she talking about? Is this about her? Is this what happened to the baby? And it's only actually, um, and I don't want to spoil it, but it it unfolds and it is apparent that the baby is missing. Um, And I have no idea what's going to happen next. It's kind of amazing. A show hasn't kept me hooked in that exact way for a long time, in that you kind of a lot of the time are just trying to piece together the puzzle yourself mm. and you're not quite sure how you're meant to interpret the information you're given. She plays a vastly different version of this woman in these multiple timelines. He's kind of this ominous, her husband is this um, partner, is this ominous presence. And it's a really kind of fascinating way to structure it. What could have been, you know, a kind of abducted baby story is quite a conventional, in many respects, British mm-hmm. drama kind of territory. Really, really fascinating. And I can't wait for the next episode to see actually yeah. what the hell is going on. Yeah, it would be really handy.
2: I agree. It's It's another kind of surprisingly great, and bold BBC One. It's, this is the new drama taking over bo- the bodyguard slot on Sunday nights of BBC mm. One, nine o'clock. And yeah, you're right, it's so ambitiously structured. Yeah. If you, I actually had, I watched the first scene, which is where she's sitting there and she walks out to face the press. And I actually had to still frame, I had to pause, to count the number of flashbacks, and there are seven. There are seven <laughs> different. She's wearing, and you can tell she wears different outfits. Yes, and she carries
1: herself differently. Carries herself
2: differently as she's facing the press in lots of different. So it's like there's a whole history you have to unpack through the rest of this four part series. It's so ambitious, and yet it does somehow hold together so the Mm. storytelling works so brilliantly across those different timelines and the scene just the scene set on the aeroplane where she's trying to comfort her baby who won't stop crying and everyone's so irritated as happens every time you fly anywhere it's so brilliantly done it's so tense and stressful and I suddenly felt every time I've ever presented a woman having a baby or a baby being on a flight (laughs) I felt so bad about it I think it will revolutionise the way people deal with people having babies on aeroplanes and it also
1: but didn't you think I thought what was also interesting and it never it never explicitly talks about this, is you're not sure if her interpretation of what was happening was, right, yeah. was she's true, a reliable she's, narrator, yeah. She's an unreliable yeah. narrator, which is yeah. super interesting. And she becomes, as you realise, an unreliable narrator in lots of senses. Yeah. And the way I think Jenna Coleman is I mean, I think she's an amazing actor anyway, but but Christ, in this she the her physicality changes between timelines. So the way and it's the small things done in hair and makeup as well, which I think is great. She physically looks like a different person in each of these timelines and she carries those timeline shifts kind of single-handedly and she is remarkable. The difference in the way she speaks, in the way she holds herself between when the baby goes missing to when she's kind of in modern day clearly in some kind of predicament trying to defend herself. Um, Yeah, it really really surprised me. It's not what you expect it to be and as Boyd said, it could have been confusing, right? It's quite high concept really for a BBC Mm. kind of... When is it? Sunday night. It's Sunday night, a Sunday 90 night 90 drama. 90 you know, 90. you you you've just got out the bath, you've got wet hair, you're sitting in front of the gas fire. I mean, obviously it's nineteen seventy eight. I was about to say, <laughs> where are we? So I I I think hats off to them, and I think yeah. if I think if people kind of can stick with the initial because it is quite disconcerting initially it's quite disorientating you're not really sure what's going on mm. if you give it a good 20 minutes you'll be hooked
2: yeah hard act to follow going into the bodyguard slot but yeah i'm saying but you know kudos to them because it's you know it's a, it's very different and it, you know because the bodyguard actually was quite you know chronological, straightforward, Mm. the storytelling, unbelievably, this is completely different. And I think it's really good, yeah.
0: Okay. Well, before we say goodbye, we probably should mention that this week sees the release of the new issue of Empire magazine, but coming with it, with the new issue of Empire magazine, Mm. is another issue of Pilot TV. Hooray! (laughs) Uh, This is available from all good and evil news agents this Thursday. So pick up your copy of Empire. It comes in a big old cardboard sleeve, and you'll find a copy of Pilot in there as well.
1: It's a little bit smaller than the first issue of Pilot. We want to know what everybody thinks about this magazine, so it's going out to a load of people, basically. But it is a bonus mag, In With Empire enjoy it let us know what you think and
2: we do cover every important show com- uh, coming up oh like there's loads of good stuff
0: in the in world. There. loads of good stuff in there we've got a big retrospective feature on The Shield we've got a big feature on uh, House of Cards we talked to Bill Pullman for The Sinner we've got a big preview on everything that's coming up next year Buffy I mean, there's a whole thing on Buffy a whole thing on Buffy there's and there's even a list of the best Star Trek The Next Generation episodes and who wouldn't buy it just for that
1: and whose idea was how that did you, how did you sneak
0: that in? I mean almost certainly boys. who love that I don't classic
1: boy right? there's
0: nothing, to, it, me. There's nothing <laughs> to me and I, the, I I, can, I may may have, have snuck some cling on into the contents page, but I mean, well, you, you know, I can't can I mean, neither confirm nor nor deny that I fact. Mean,
2: thankfully, there's Jody Whittaker as well.
0: Indeed. So Thursday, new issue of Empire, new issue of Pilot. By now, well, then, uh, and that's it for another Pilot TV podcast. Join us next week for more small small screen shenanigans. Uh, and in the meantime, get these to the fucking good place. You will not regret it. <laughs> Goodbye.